This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is the Player Rating Show, which is a new feature for this season. This episode, I once again have a very special guest, and that is Ryan O'Donovan, who writes about Fulham for Football.London. We'll be discussing his ratings for the Fulham players against Tottenham Hotspur. Should be a very interesting show, but before I do anything, I have to welcome Ryan back to the show. Ryan, it's been a week. How you doing, my friend? Welcome back to Cottage Talk. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, you know, not the return to Wembley we were all hoping for, but, you know, he was Spurs, wasn't it? So, but no, doing well. Excellent, my friend. Listen, let's start just getting your overall view of this match against Spurs, and then we'll, we will go through the player ratings. It's funny, Ryan, I, I've now done two other shows. This is the third show about this match, and every time I do it, I actually feel better about Fulham afterwards because I could see the positives outweighing the negatives when you're playing a team against Spurs. I think you can get a lot out of it. I'm curious your view of the match. Yeah, I think I'm the same. You know, I, I, I took a positive, quite positive outlook on it, I think. You know, you're playing against Tottenham Hotspur, who rightly so should be t- challenging towards the top of the league, you know, challenging those Champions League places every season. So coming into a game where you've got 12 new players, you know, Anguissa, who's, who's only, who started the game, who's only been training a few days beforehand, to go out there and so you know they they put in quite a good performance. I think there was a twenty minute uh, twenty minute period after half time where Fulham were the better side. They controlled the football. They got the ball down. They played. They picked Spurs off in possession. And I think 
if you look at the game in stages, the first 25 minutes, they looked a bit shell-shocked coming into the game, you know, big Wembley atmosphere, playing against Spurs. They didn't quite know how, how, to, how to hold themselves in it. And I think we saw that from the early mistakes. But then as the game progressed and we went into different periods of the game, you could see the side growing into it a bit more. And overall, you know, they lost the game, yeah, but there's certainly positives to take from it and, and lessons to be learned from it. Absolutely, Ryan. And uh, I'm glad that you talked about how Fulham started to gradually get into the match. One thing that I'm curious your thoughts on, because the first half and second half were obviously very different. What do you think was the difference at the beginning of the second half? Do you think Savisa said something to them? Because they came out completely different in the second half. I'm just curious your thoughts on it, and then we'll go through the player ratings. Yeah, I think with the first half, you know, that first 25 minutes where they couldn't get near Spurs and then they grew into the game a bit more. I think coming out of half-time, Slavica probably said to him, you know, look, you've, you've, you've dealt with the worst of it here. You, you started to go into that game. They're there, you know, you can play football against these lads. I think it's just that reassurance. And then they came out, Spurs sat off, uh, sat off them a bit and they finally started to click, you know. The players looked like they are on the same wavelength at times in that period. But I do think it only lasted for that period for two reasons. The first is that the players are very new to one another. Most of them have only ever played one game maximum with each other. So, you know, you'd be on the same lane went for a little bit of the game, but you're not going to be on it for the entire period. And then the second reason is when Moussa Dembele came yes. on and Spurs switched to that four in the middle and a diamond, and there was no real answer to that from Fulham, and the space was just shut out then. So I think those are the two reasons why it only lasted for about 20, 25 minutes. But that, that period there, if you take that away from the game, it's hugely, hugely positive. Absolutely. And that's kind of the way that I look at it. I'm glad that you talked about, we've talked about a great deal about bringing on Moussa Dembele, changing their shape, changed the game back to Spurs. And then they took off from there, scored those two goals in three minutes. All right, my friend, we're going to go through play reigns, but I want to mention this because you and I were talking off here. You have written a great deal about this match. Your coverage of Fulham this season has been spectacular. Just talk about some of the articles you recently wrote. I, I read a great article about Nguisa. You and I have talked about Savisa. And then, of course, we will go through player ratings. But just talk about some of the things you've been writing about lately on London. Yeah, so with our match coverage, we tend to do these full transcripts after the game to give fans a bit more of an insight into what Jokanovic says in these press conferences. Because I think looking at it, you can go to a press conference and do one article afterwards, but you don't really get the feeling of how Jokanovic's mood was. You don't get the feeling how he was answering these questions. So I think with these full transcripts, it gives fans that little bit of, of depth into what he's saying and they can see all everything that was asked and, and how he responded to them. And obviously after that, we've got our talking points that we do where it's a bit more of a refined piece after the game. We have a bit of time to think about it and then we come and write what we think went wrong in the game, what went right, that kind of stuff. And oh, around this game, I did the... Um, and Anguissa scouting report, I thought, you know, it's his first start for Fulham. It, it, it'll be interesting to see what we learn from him. So I did that during the game and published that yesterday and went through 15-minute spells of how he did during that game. So it's kind of like a timeline of how Anguissa did, as well as a scouting report, if you want to call it that. And then, yeah, it's just bits and bobs around that. So I used Slavica's Monday quotes today to do a big, a big long read about, you know, the whole time thing. That's been quite a big deal at the moment for Fulham. They seem to be asking it about in every press conference is how much time Fulham need to build. So I did that piece trying to like hopefully give fans a bit more depth into what Djokanovic feels behind these comments and how, how much time he actually thinks there is. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of stuff to come from it, yeah. 
Absolutely, my friend. And listen, uh, I told you that uh, I read an excerpt from your article that we're going through some talking points, the trippiest situation, which we'll get to when we talk about Kamara because I want your thoughts there. When we go through his player rating. My co-host, Mike Greg, has a theory behind what happened there, and we'll talk about that as well. But great stuff. I highly recommend everyone going to football.london and reading what Ryan has to uh, share here about Fulham's match against Tottenham Hotspur and everything that he does. It's uh, been some very good analysis. All right, my friend, let's get into this. Let's start with the player ratings. We have to start with Fabri. You gave him a seven. This is what you wrote. Did brilliant to rush out of his goal and claim a one-on-one after defensive error from his defense. Pulled off a few good saves and committed his area a lot better than last week, although there were a few iffy moments in the air for the keeper. Couldn't do much about any of the Spurs goals. I agree with you on that. Let's talk about Fabri. Yeah, I feel the difference between Fabri last week and this week, there was quite a big a big difference in his performance. You know, last week he got a bit of stick from from certain sections about his performance. I don't think he did too bad last week myself. You know, it wasn't the greatest performance, but it wasn't the worst either. It was a pretty average performance. But this week I felt he'd grown into his role in that Fulham goal a bit more. I felt he commanded his area a bit more and he seemed to be talking more with his centre backs as the game went on. And you know, his shot stopping was 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 brilliant. You know, he's coming out, rushing out. We saw the mistake last week against Wilfred Zaha where he rushed out too early and Zaha picked him off really. But in this game, he, he came out brilliantly to stop. I think it was Lucas Moura after the, yes. the ball came over the top. I thought that was a brilliant reading of the game. There's still a few iffy moments. You know, there's still a few flaps in the air of crosses coming in and balls bouncing off his chest instead of claiming it. But I think, you know, he, it was a real improvement from last week. And I think he's really starting to grow into that into that number one role. I tend to agree with you. And what's interesting, and I'm, again, I'm just going off of the uh, goalkeeper's form I've had in the past with Slaviso, David Button, and Marcus Bettinelli. He just seems like a different type of goalkeeper, more type of goalkeeper I think that Jokanovic really wants. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's the whole about playing with the ball on the feet and being able to use your goal kicks and your when you claim the ball to get the ball moving quickly. And I feel with David Button and both and Marcus Bettinelli to a degree, they they weren't as good with the ball at the feet. You know, David Button always struggled with these long kicks, and I think yes. that was a real gripe with with Fulham fans when he was in goal. But he was a good shot stopper. Whereas Marcus Bettinelli, I feel, improved vastly last season. And but the difference was when Marcus Bettinelli started last season for Djukanovic, his diagonal balls to Fredericks and whoever the left back was, they were always overhitting his mark and it wasn't really an outlet and he really got to grips with that as the season went on but that was his main outlet there wasn't the ability to to pass through to the center backs or or to really like play out from the back and I think Fabry's a much more cultured goalkeeper if we can say that you know he's he's had that experience of playing with the ball at his feet I still think he's very iffy with with taking the ball out and trying to play the way Djokanovic plays and I don't know if we're going to see Fabry as the long-term number one Okay. But for the moment, I think he's he's doing very well there. Well, we'll see if uh, Rico takes over his spot. Uh, that's very interesting that you say that. And again, nothing against Marcus Bettinelli. I just see a different style there, and uh, we'll see what happens with him. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about first start for Timothy Fosu Mensa. You gave him a six. This is what you had to write. Did a decent job defensively, but found it tough against Ali and Kane from time to time. Did well in the second half to keep Ali reasonably quiet. All right, let's talk about his debut. And uh, if you noticed any differences from his play to, say, Cyrus Christie. 
Yeah, I felt in this game, I think Fossi Mentz is probably the better defensive player out of him and Christie. And I think that's probably why Djukanovic picked him. You know, if we saw that back four become a back six, I think it was from time to time with Ryan yep. Sessegnon sitting on the outside shoulder of Fossi Mentz, which I thought was an interesting tactical switch from Djukanovic. But I felt he did pretty well defensively. But when you're playing against players like Deli Ali and Harry Kane, in your first start in a brand new defence again, I think you are going to struggle. I think there were times where he did quite struggle down that down that left, uh, down that right, sorry, to to keep Deli Ali quiet. But again, I think he grew into the game a bit more. It was his first start. I mean, we've we still got to remember, I know Jukanovic banged on about time a lot, but this was the guy's first start since signing on deadline day with a completely new team, you know, it, and he was playing his start at Wembley against world-class players. I think he did reasonably well. I think it was an average performance. It wasn't the worst performance. Sure. There's definitely room to improve. But I, th- I think he did well, yeah. Well, it's a starting point, Ryan. And uh, again, that's what's interesting about this is that there were changes from match one to match two in the starting 11. And here's one. And he gets thrown right into a match against Spurs. And uh, to basically just hold your own, I think, is uh, fine for, for a first time. Let's see if he, like you said, grows into his position. All right, let's now go to Calum Chambers. You also gave him a six. And this is what you wrote. Was lucky not to give away a goal with a sloppy back pass in the first 10 minutes. Couldn't agree more on that one. That was terrible. Grew into the game and looked decent, making some good challenges. All right, let's talk about Chambers. I I can't get past that mistake, but there's still a lot of play beyond that. But So let's talk about Chambers' performance overall. Yeah, that, that mistake was criminal, really. And Djukanovic mentioned it in his press conference afterwards that you cannot be making those mistakes no. at, at this level. And he was a very lucky man to get away with it. I thought, you know, there was times where Cam Chambers looked like a player that would play for Arsenal. I think he was strong in the challenge and he held and tracked his men well. But there was periods where, you know, that defence was giving Harry Kane way too much space in that middle. I think there was one one bit in the first half where Harry Kane's lashed it and he's in the middle of the box and he's got no one around him. The back four is a straight back four. And, you know, Chambers isn't picking his man up and Kane luckily smashes it straight at Fabry. I think, you know, I think Chambers has to do better with the quality, he's, the quality he has and the experience he has. I think between him and Lamarchand, you know, he was very much the the lower one. It looked like Lamarchand was the more experienced head there, which it was his second game in England. That shouldn't be the case. I think... I'm I'm unsure whether Chambers needs a more experienced head next to him, maybe an older head like Lamarchand to to get him through games because he does have a mistake in him and he does have the tendency to to switch off and let his man go. So I think you know with the with the sloppy back pass and a few mistakes, he's probably lucky to get a six here. But I, I couldn't cast away the, the good challenges he put in through the game. And that's the whole thing. I'm glad that we're talking about the good and the bad because th- that was horrific, that mistake, but you still have to rebound from it. And, and the fact that he had the ability to do that is a positive. So we're talking about both sides there. All right, my friend, you've already mentioned Le Marchand, and I should say many fans have been talking about him. I actually saw a poll from uh, Friends of Fulham, and he was their man of the match. And uh, I think I understand why I actually had Mitrovic, but many had. Well, Marshawn, this is what you wrote. You gave him a seven, had a really good first half and looked rather commanding in the heart of the back four. Continue that into the second 45, putting a number of strong tackles and blocks. Now, definitely want your thoughts on that. And also, are we overlooking his transfer? Because I remember when he came and I looked into him and, and thought that 
maybe this could be a player that could be a little bit of a surprise. Could Le Marchand be a surprise? I think so. Well, based on the last two performances, I would certainly say so. You know, he, he didn't look out of place playing against Spurs yesterday. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. You know, some of the tackles he put in, he, he tracked his men well. He was physical. He looked everything that you want from a Premier League defender. And, you know, over the course of the game, he really he really looked good. And like I said earlier, out of him and Chambers, I would have you depend more on Le Marchand than you would have Chambers in that game, which is surprising, seeing as Le Marchand's never played out of France before, and this was only his second game in England. I do think, looking at the transfer from Nice, the double transfer of Jean-Michael yep. Serri and Le Marchand, I think he was probably overlooked a bit because yep. Fulham managed to get Serri at the same time, and Le Marchand was seen as, that, as an extra, I guess, in that. But when you look at his performances in the last two games, especially aerially, I think he's looked very strong aerially. I think... That's something that Fulham haven't really had in the last couple of years. Oh, I agree. Tim Reams, Tim Reams, decent in the air, but Thomas Callas wasn't really an aerial player, and it's it's, it's that thing, you know. I, I've always worried about Fulham conceding from corners and conceding from set pieces because there's just not that aerial threat in 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 their defence to to deal with things. But Lamarchand again looked very good in the air, and I was I was really really impressed with him. Okay, excellent. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Alfie Moss and gets his uh, opportunity with Fulham when he returns from his injury. And uh, maybe Savisa has a decision to make because many thought that it was going to be Chambers and Mawson. Well, Marchand might make that difficult for Savisa. So that's an interesting little situation going on there. All right, let's move on and let's talk about Joe Bryan. You gave him a six. This is a player that I'm looking forward to seeing more and more. Championship left back now having his opportunity in the Premier League, this is what you had to say. You gave him a six, had a better second half than he did first and produced a lovely cross that unlocked the Spurs defense for Mitrovic's goal. Couldn't keep up with Eric Lamella as he cut through foam for the third goal. So you're giving a little bit of, again, the good and the bad of Joe Bryan, young player now in the Premier League. So what are your thoughts about his performance and can you see him getting better from, say, the first match against Crystal Palace to playing against Spurs? Yeah, I think he was better than he was against Palace. But again, he's playing against Spurs and there's some top quality players in, in that side that were attacking him down that left. I think he really did struggle with the double up on, on his side with Kieran Trippier down that flank yes. as well. It was, it was a real struggle for him down in that sense. But I think going forward, we saw the quality of, of ball he can produce into the box for the, for the first goal that just missed Mitrovic before Cessna will put it back in. I do think he he's a top championship player, and I think he's got a steep learning curve this season to become a good Premier League player. I think he's got the potential, there's no doubt about it, but I do think he's going to have to adapt and learn really, really quickly in order to to become that, that strong Premier League left-back. I think he's got it in it. I think we saw spells of that in the game against Spurs, but I do think you know there's there's a lot of learning to do there. To, sure. to get him up to scratch with where we need him to be. Totally agree. And I'm glad that you talked about the situation with Trippier with him as well. That was obviously something that uh, was uh, not great. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about that situation when we talk about Bubakar Kamara. Let's now move on to Angisa. You give him a seven. This is what you wrote. Grew into the game and started to exert some physicality in front of phones back for really started to get a handle of the game in the second half and looked a really good player. And like we already talked about, you 
wrote a very good analysis of him, like you said, in, in blocks. So I would highly recommend the phone supporters reading what Ryan had to share about Nguisa. So let's talk about his performance, which you gave a seven. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect him to start, to be honest, myself. I thought going into a game against Tottenham, I probably would have stuck with Kevin McDonald just because he's got too. that. Yeah, just because he's got the experience of of playing in a side. You know, that, that midfield trio is so important to how Fulham work. And I think we saw we saw the potential that that midfield trio have in that 25-minute spell where they did look very, very good, him, Seri and Kearney together. Yeah. Um, I think you could probably say two of the goals he might have been at fault for. You know, the third goal, he's come to win the ball and he's missed it completely and Lamella's ran through. But overall, he was that physical player that Fulham need in, in, the, anchor, in the anchor role. Yeah. And you know, it was his first start. He's only been here a few days. He doesn't speak the language. But he really started to grow into the game. And he put, I, I thought he put in some really, really good challenges on, on the likes of Ericsson and Deli Ali in that attacking midfield role. I think he's got a lot to learn again. He's got to adapt to the Premier League. But on the basis of seeing that first game, you know, I think they've got a real good player in him there. Okay, excellent. I tend to agree with you. It's only one match, but I like what I saw from Nguisa. All right, let's move on to Tom Kearney. You give him a six. Wasn't able to have his usual effect on the game as Fulham saw little of the ball. Started to see more and more of the ball as the second half wore on and looked good. And this goes to what you were just talking about with Nguisa. Sari and Kearney, it was about the spell in the second half where all three had their opportunity along with Kearney. So your thoughts? Yeah, it, again, it's that 25-minute spell that is the real positive for me and it's the thing that I need to, I think we need to keep looking back on as as the thing to take from that game, especially with yeah. this midfield trio. But with Kearney, you know, it was, it was like it two years ago against Tottenham as well where he didn't see much of the ball and he just floated through the game a bit. I think I gave him a six because once he did get on the ball, he started to make things tick for Fulham and he started to to spread the play and unlock things a little bit. But what concerned me about Kearney in this game is his defensive work. I don't think he's much of a defensive player. And I think when Tottenham were attacking, you know, I don't think he really knows what to do. Seri's the midfield box-to-box player. He knows how to defend. And Anguissa's the defensive part of that midfield trio. But with Kearney, you have him on the pitch for an attacking sense. You don't necessarily rely on him defensively right and I think he was a bit you know a bit caught out in midfield there allowing a few players to come through him but again there's positives to take that 25 minute spell he looked every inch the Premier League player controlling the game setting which way uh, Fulham needs to go and he, I think he was really unlucky not to score in the first half where Hugo Lloris got down to right really well I thought it was a really good shot and it had Lloris worried because it came behind players he had good curl on it so I think he was unlucky not to score there but overall, yeah, I think a six was a fair a fair mark for Tom Kearney. Okay, excellent. Let's now talk about Jean-Michael Serra. You give him a six as well. Had a slow start to the afternoon, but produced a bit of brilliance to unlock Spurs' defense with a ball over the top to Cessnion, which was stopped by some great goalkeeping from Lloris. I completely agree with you there. Failed to track Eriksson's run, which led to the opening goal. Let's talk about Serra. This is his second match. Do you see any improvement from match one to match two? I think he was probably better in the first game than he was in this game. But obviously playing against Crystal Palace is a different thing. He was at home. There was a bit more space and time in that midfield for Seri to have a bit of influence on the game. I think in the first half, he really struggled with how high Spurs pressed him and how little time he had on the ball, which is, is something he would not be used to playing in France. You know, that, that that doesn't exist in France. You have a lot more time on the ball than you do in the Premier League, especially against 
players like Eriksson, like Deli Ali, who are looking to get the ball off you and attack. I think we saw bits of brilliance again from him. I mentioned that ball over the top, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. You know, it's inch perfect straight onto Sessegnon's foot. I thought that is that is the Jean-Michael Serri that we're going to come to see once he gets used to playing in the Premier League. Uh, but it's it's the first go the first goal they score where he doesn't track Eriksson's run. You can see from yep. the, the 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 replays he the ball comes out and he's immediately looking around because he knows Eriksson's his man. But Eriksson's gone and he doesn't catch up to him in time. And then the ball comes out from that and the rebound. You know, Lucas Moura absolutely smashes it in. And for me, as a box to box player, he has to be marking tracking those yep. runs a bit better for me. Than that, right. but again, it's his second game. He's playing against world class <laughs> players. It's all about adapting and, and giving time. Yes, absolutely. And uh, let me just say, that's a little bit of a golden for me to even ask you because he was great against Crystal Palace. But what I was trying to say from the first match to the second match, improvement meaning were the things that you saw that were a little bit different. So you kind of talked a little bit about that, like you said, from. Match one to match two, there there are different things to see. There were some good and some bad. So you give him a six. All right, let's talk about Abubakar Kamara. And while we do this, I'm going to read what you had to share. And then I'm going to share the theory from Mike Reagan. Get your thoughts on it. You gave Abubakar Kamara a six. This is what you wrote. Was leaving far too much space out left that Kieran Trippier was exploiting in the first half. Played a better game in the second half and started to do well going forward. That's what you wrote. Mike Gregg, last night on Cottage Talk, we were talking about the Trippier situation. I read an excerpt from your article talking about it because it's something that was just bothering me and probably many fans as well. Why did Kieran Trippier have so much space? Why was this continuing to happen, Ryan? And Mike's theory is this. He believes that, again, just a theory that potentially Savisa put Kamara in a position where he was going to put him just inside of our half, I guess you could say inside, and he believes that this could have been tactical, that he was going to give them that, give them Trippier that space in the thought that they would be aggressive when Fulham got the ball back and give him the opportunity to run down some balls and then go one-on-one with a center back and then hopefully beat the center back and then go right at Lloris. His theory is that this was a gamble to take advantage of Trippier when he was so far up the pitch that then you could just get the ball hopefully quickly to Kamara that he could run it down and then do damage with his pace. And he believes that, again, theory, that major reason why he was picked over Shirley was his pace, that this was a strategy, potential strategy. What are your thoughts on all this? I think if Jakanovic has gone out and said to Kamara, we want you to play on the edge of the half, we'll let Trippier have his space out there and we'll do it on the basis that we'll gamble here and you might be able to get one-on-one with the centre-backs. I think it would be very, very naive of Djokanovic to do that with the the quality of, of ball that Trippier could deliver out there. And, and it was proved right with that, with yeah. the crossing from the right for the first goal. We mentioned it to Djokanovic after the game about that space he had out, le- out, le- out on the Fulham's left, sorry. And he said that he tried to combat it. You know, in the first 20 minutes, he could see the problem and he tried to combat it, but it, it still didn't work. And I don't know whether that's because Kamara just isn't a tactically a tactically gifted player. I don't think in terms of defensive tactics, whether that's his style, whether he's able to do that kind of game. We know going forward, he, his style of play is very much get the ball, 
attack the fullbacks. His feet don't really know what his brain wanted to do and vice versa. It's kind of a bit, it, you don't know what you're going to get from him. And I think that's how his style of play. So to ask him to be defensively disciplined, tuck in on the left next right. to Joe Bryan to come defensively and, and try and track trick here and trip here. I just don't know whether Kamara has that in his locker to be able to be so so disciplined in, in a 90-minute game. I think he just wants to get the ball and attack and attack and attack. I don't think right. he's really got that defensive side. I think Jukanovic might have picked him over Andre Schürrle there because, again, Schürrle isn't a defensive player. Looking when he was at Chelsea, when he played for Germany, when he's in Germany, he's never really been that kind of man that tracks back. He's left. He'd leave his, his fullback quite open from time to time because he just wants to attack. And again, I don't think he had the the tactical or know-how or discipline to be able to do that either. So I think Jukanovic went with Kamara on the basis that Kamara's got the speed to be able to transition right. better. But I, I just don't think it worked out for him. And, you know, right. it was a bit of a tactical mistake, I think, playing Kamara out there. I just don't think he's he's defensively disciplined enough. And I think that's what we saw from Trippier okay. having all that space. Okay, so you think that it was just the type of player that he is, he just can't get the defensive side, say like Sessegnon, because Mike was bringing this up, that Sessegnon is a left back. Obviously, you know, again, that's where he's he starts, but he's obviously further up the pitch now that he has that defensive side of his game. So maybe that's what this is about, Ryan. It's that yeah. Kamara, this is not what he normally does, and he's normally more offensive-minded, and maybe that's what was going on here. Mike, again, was just throwing this out there because it kept happening over and over again, and, and his thoughts is, well, why wouldn't, Savisa go to Kamara at some point and, and get at him to to do better. So that's why he started with this theory. He doesn't know. He's just throwing it out there. Does that make any sense? Yeah, you know, I can see exactly why he's gone with that that thinking because it was happening so often that yeah. he would you, you could lead it to being maybe that is what Jakanovic has said to him. But from speaking to Jakanovic and, and seeing the type of player Kamara is, I just okay. think it was a bit that more down to, you know, a, a defensive there's no defensive discipline. Defensive issue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. I'm glad that we talked about that. It's very interesting because uh, this is something that bothered me throughout the match. And then, of course, you're there and all the fans are there. Like, why does this keep happening? And um, very interesting uh, discussion on that. All right, let's move on to Ryan Sessegnon. You give him a six as well. Cosper's problems, the few times Fulham were able to get forward playing in an unfamiliar right position, looked assured on the ball when pushing his side forward in the second 45 Tarda as the game went on. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think Ryan Sessegnon started the game well. And you could see once that 20-minute spell was finished and Fulham had just about survived it, when they started to get forward, it was down that right flank where they did look a bit more dangerous. And I mentioned that lovely ball over the top from Seri that uh, Trippier's uh, saved from the feet of Sessegnon. I think maybe if Sessegnon got that ball out of his feet a bit quicker, he might have had a goal-scoring opportunity. But I think that first period, he was defensively sure he, he tactically disciplined getting back in on the right shoulder of Timothy Fossey Mensa. I think he looked good on the ball and he didn't do himself any you know all the links with Spurs over the last two summers and he's playing at Spurs at their home ground you know I don't think he did himself any disgrace I think it was quite a good performance but I think what we've seen the last two games from Sessegnon is that he's tired as the game's gone on I know in the past over the two championship seasons it's always been about the great physicality and fitness that Brian Sessegnon has to be able to play every week in the championship. Right. The Premier League, of course, is a, is a completely different kettle of fish in terms of 
physical conditioning and, 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 and the like of that. So I think he tired as the game went on and we saw less and less and less of Sessegnon. And that's why I gave him a six. But if he'd carried on the way he'd played for 60, 70 minutes the whole way through, it probably would have been a seven. Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right, let's now talk about Mitro. You give him a seven. This is what you wrote. Cut a very lonely figure for much of the first half as Fulham saw very little of the ball. Hit the post at the start of the second half. Got his goal after some good work in the box to mark his presence. And uh, very interesting. The one thing I want to share, and we've talked about this on Cottage Talk, is that Mitro had a chance to give Fulham the lead, and he just scuffed it. And uh, he probably wants that one back. So I want to just talk about that just for a second as well. But I thought, you know, again, for me, Mitro was the man of the match. I thought he played well, like you said, that for the first half he was a lonely guy out there. But in the second half, he came alive. So your thoughts on Mitro? Yeah, I think, like you said, he cut a lonely figure for a lot of that game with being the only man up top with his wingers having to do their defensive duties. But I felt once Fulham started getting the ball to him, he held it up well. He could turn his man. He he should have, you know, he, he could have had a hat trick to be honest. He hit the post, Absolutely. scored a goal, and then scuffed a goal one on one, which he could probably score. So I think, you know, I think he's near the top of the charts in the Premier League for how many shots he's had as well. I think he might be second for that. So I think he started life to to Fulham again in the Premier League very well, and I think Fulham's style of play suits him. He loves being there, and it was another, you know, encouraging performance from Mitrovic. I think once he starts turning shots into goals again. I think I think we'll see a very a very potent Mitrovic. I totally agree, and uh, it's funny because I still see people that are doubting his ability in the Premier League. And I just again, maybe I'm being the optimist. I can see the things that are leading me to believe that the shots, like you said, are going to turn into goals. And it's just a matter of time. He's getting the opportunities, and I think eventually he will turn more of these into goals. Like you said, he could have had a hat trick. That's what's crazy about this. He really could have. He could have give, given Fulham the lead. I, I still go back to this. What a wonderful opportunity. He just scuffed it, but that happens. All right, to uh, finish up, let's talk about the substitutes who have limited time on. You have Johansson, Christie, and Shirley. You, you gave them all a five. Uh, just quickly share your thoughts on their performances. Yeah, I, I think the in Christie coming on and Shirley coming on, I don't think they did too much. They were only on for about six minutes each really there was not no time there the game was finished by then Johansson came on around the 75 minute mark but I don't think Johansson we saw it last week as well I don't think Johansson is a Premier League player he kind of glided through the game and once he came on you know Lamella was was able to really start cutting through that midfield a bit too easily so if you know they're just they're just bang average performances they didn't affect the game at all they didn't add anything to Fulham's game so yeah just average scores okay I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about Johansson for what you just said. I don't know if uh, he can handle the uh, jump up to the Premier League. We're going to have to see, but um, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm a fan of his, and I I just don't know about him. He's just one of these players that I think that they needed to upgrade on, unfortunately, and uh, they have, and uh, he just might not be up. For the league, we'll have to see. Hopefully, he will have uh, more opportunities to prove me wrong. I hope he does. I really do because uh, I'm a fan of Stefan Johansson's. All right, my friend. Great show. I enjoyed this very much. Ryan, thank you so much for doing this with me again. That's all right. Thanks for having me on. I love talking about the ratings and stuff. <laughs> it's been great. I've really enjoyed doing this the last two weeks with you. And um, listen, as we wrap up this show, 
What are your thoughts about Fulham? Now you've watched them twice. I'm very encouraged by what I am watching because I look at it this way, that this team is starting from a base. We're starting a brand new team together. It's a completely new team. And uh, in these two matches, we are seeing glimpses of what they can be. Am I crazy? Am I seeing something that's not there? Or am I seeing something projecting that could potentially happen as the season progresses? No, I definitely think there's an encouragement to take from the first two games. Okay, there's there's no points. There's five goals conceded and one scored. But it, it is encouraging. Like, like Jukanovic says over and over again, he's had two and a half weeks to work with these players. Two and a half weeks to have a completely new side in the Premier League is no time at all. So I, I do think it's encouraging, you know, going forward from here. I don't think the team that we see in January, February time, the Fulham side we see then, will bear resemblance to these the first few games. You know, you look back at the end of the season and we'll look at these games and be like, if that was the Fulham team that ended the season, they would never have lost to, to Palace <laughs> at home and stuff like that. You know, it, right. it, once they grow, they'll, they'll become a good side. I don't think they'll be worried about getting relegated. They're creating chances, which is the main thing. The worry for me is that it might take too long to find the best side and for everyone to get to get to know each other. I think that's the worst case scenario that it takes yeah. too long and they go into December, you know, not with a bit of a mismatched form, not really getting into their groove a bit. And, and if they get to December and it still hasn't quite clicked, I think that would be the worry. But that for me is worst case scenario. And I don't sure. see that happening. I think they're creating chances. We've seen snippets of the football they can play when they're all on the same wavelength. They've got good players. They've still got players to come back from injury. Alfie Mawson's going to add yes. something to the sides. Sergio Rico, I think, will be the number one, and he's going to add something to the side. Okay. So I think, I think going forward, you know, I don't think there's any need to worry. Maybe, you know, I predicted 13th before the start of the season. That might be a bit too high. If they, fin- if they finish 16th, 15th, I don't think that would be considered a, a disgrace. I think that should be considered a successful season. You know, they stayed in the Premier League. They built the base, and then they can build it on the next season. Sure. So I don't think I don't think they sh- I don't think anyone should really worry about relegation and and how the first two games have gone. I think you have to look more at the positives than the negatives. I think there's still things to sort out, the defensive mistakes and such. But I don't think that there's such a big worry that anyone should worry about them getting relegated. I, I'd, I'd bet my house that there's three worst teams <laughs> in Fulham in that division. I'm there with you. I, I, I'm not worried. Huh? I'm not even thinking about that word that I, I can't stand using, relegation. But uh, mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, when you're full, uh, you're going to hear that. And uh, it could be uh, a realistic uh, discussion at some point. But right now, I don't see that. And uh, I agree with everything that you had to say there, my friend. All right. Very good, Ryan. Thank you again for, for doing this w- with me. Uh, I'll just always say this at the end. Just tell everyone how they can follow you on Twitter. And uh, on Football Down London, is it Football London or Football Down London? I keep calling Football Down London. Yeah, it's Football Dot London. So the um, like .co.uk or .com, our yep. the main name is Dot London. They created it a few years ago to like try and put London business on the map a bit more, and we bought up the domain name for Football Dot London. Okay, so I, I think it works quite well. You know, it's a bit clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. And uh, no, very good. And, and uh, I always forget your Twitter handle. So can you just share that real quick? Yeah, my Twitter is at r underscore o underscore Donovan. You know, you follow me on there. You'll probably see me getting retweeted by <laughs> people on match days and other days and stuff like that. So, yeah, you just follow me there. Okay, excellent. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of College Talk. For my very special guest, Ryan O'Donovan, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. 
all your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.